All right, so the Pope has recently come out with a, uh, not a, not a bull, but a statement whereby in an interview he said that hell, well, it doesn't really exist. <laughs> so all that stuff that we've been talking about for the past two or, th uh, or so thousand years, you know, don't take it so seriously. <laughs> you know, in fact, it doesn't even exist. As far as he's concerned, the way that bad people get treated is that they, they cease to exist. They disappear, you see, as if he, as if he would know that, right? But this, this completely contradicts Catholic dogma and Christian ideology as a general principle. I would say doctrine, not dogma. Do You're right. Yeah. Dogma is not right. Um, doctrine as a general principle for thousands of years. But this man, well, now he's figured it all out. So just listen to what he has to say. Yeah, I also would think that, and what's your opinion on this? That's not contradicting Catholic doctrine on like a, a minor thing, like, you know, splitting hairs on whether putting cashew cheese on your hamburger is yes. kosher or yes, something, that's right? Whether right. <laughs> a deal. vegan burger with, you know, vegan cheese is a cheeseburger. Right. Yeah, we could split hairs on yeah. that all day long. This is a big one. Right. At what time <laughs> does Shabbat start? Three stars or four stars, right? <laughs> Should we have two days of Rosh Hashanah or one yeah. day? Well, if it's a you planet, know. not a star in the that's sky. Right. Uh, when was Christmas? December 25th or is should be January 7th, I think, as some people think. Yeah. Okay, no. <laughs> At least there's a Christmas, right? <laughs> but but this is a little bit, you know, so one, one thing that, of course, races to your mind is, why would he say this? What's the point? I mean, he, this is not as if it was a hot mic situation where he tells his proverbial wife, I know that he's not married, but let's say you tell your wife something, you know, during pillow talk. Hey, honey, you know what? I don't. I, this this hell mumble jumbo is a bunch of crap. You know, we're really fooling the world, really good. And there's a hot mic there for some reason. Yeah, Facebook was right. listening. Yeah, in yeah exactly. It was yeah, Facebook Live. Yeah, to sell you a trip to somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, it wasn't like that. Or he doesn't. You know, he didn't say it to a buddy of us. You know, like can you believe they're they're believing this crap? <laughs> like to somebody on the side. And then, whoops, hot mic, <laughs> your holiness. But no, it's not that. He, he actually was interviewed. And he knew that this would be spread across the world. So he, he was hopeful that this would be spread across the world. Yeah, during Easter week. Yeah. This is not like, uh, you know. <laughs> when the world's uh, attention is on you. Right. Yeah, this is not the I can be more flexible comment. <laughs> right. I mean, at least Obama thought that he was not being recorded. Right. So this is, this is weird. The whole thing is very weird about this. And you begin to think, like, this is on the heels of so many other things that he's done. You know, he, he went to uh, the, the uh, mosque and he made sure to prow properly, bow properly to, toward Mecca, for one thing. You mean kneel, uh, you know, on, on all, yeah. all fours, face down, butt in the air, the whole it's It's on. weird. Yeah. It's weird. This is not what the head of a Catholic church should be doing. Yeah, and this is, I think, did we talk about the uh, outreach to communist China in order to have the church accepted there? And they're making all sorts of concessions to the Chinese yes. communist doctrine. It's called sinicization. It That's yes. what it's called. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, all this is very weird. And you begin to wonder, like, gosh, you know, uh, Francis, no, what is his name? Francis. It is Francis, okay. Yeah. You know, do you think that uh, maybe this is not your dream job? Maybe this <laughs> right. is, maybe, maybe you missed your calling here. I, you know, it seems like, you know, I have a couple people in my office, and once in a blue moon, you have to let them go. And I, 
sometimes it's for one reason or the other, but once in a while you, you fire them because you realize, you know, listen, this doesn't seem to be what you really want to be doing in your life. You know, you're almost doing them a favor, right? Yeah. You know, he, this one wants to be an actor. That one wants to be a writer. You know, this one, in fact, really just wants to, uh, you know, help his father in his hardware store, whatever. That's, and it's a long line of, uh, it, he just doesn't need to be a lawyer. In fact, he shouldn't be a lawyer for whatever reason. It's not his, uh, it's, not his, it's not his thing. And I begin to wonder, you know, Pope, with all due respect and, and to your holiness and everything else, we get it. You were chosen by the cardinals. But maybe, maybe this is what you're supposed to be doing, right? There's something else going out there. I, I almost feel like he, he just needs his own talk show, like uh, George Stephanopoulos, right? You know, it, it, that's, that's who he should be. He should be a George Stephanopoulos Maybe a more serious one that talks about religious issues and otherwise. But the Pope, I don't know. It, it just it doesn't seem like he's interested. Yeah, Jorge Ramos, there's a no, there job. You know, good, good immigration activist, um, uh, professor at Berkeley, right? <laughs> yes, a comparative <laughs> religious studies. Yes. Right. You know what? He reminds me of that woman, Karen Armstrong. She wrote uh, quite a few books on religion. Very... Um, Supportive of, of Islam, but that's another story. So she wrote a book that I, I recall reading called the, uh, "A History of God," and she used to be an all-out nun, very involved in the in the church, of course. And then she saw the light and saw that you know what, uh, it's really fascinating to me, but I'm too bright for this, and so she left it. And now she comments on religious issues, of course, espousing the wonders of Islam. But that's another story. Like I said. Like, but maybe maybe he ought to be one of those people, you know. Go out there, write a lot of books, okay? I, I mean, obviously he's very educated. Or be like he Al knows, Gore, he, he, global warming. Oh, know, that's true. Activist. Good point. Yeah, that's right. He's yeah. yeah, vice president. Well, that was a gig. Yeah, <laughs> right. sure. But this is my true call. That's right. That's on page two of your resume. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't know, but you would think that that is like. You know, the Pope is a pretty high position right there. Maybe, I don't know. It's like you've gunned all your life for Supreme Court justice. You become Supreme Court justice. And then you realize, you know what? I really want to be a senator <laughs> or even the president. Like, well, you know, you've chosen a path. It's at least in the same industry. Yes, and perhaps true. in the same town with that factory. Okay? But this guy is suited for something that doesn't happen in Vatican City. Well, so let's right? talk about what else he's, he's also kind of... Hit hard uh, against one. One is um, an attack, basically upon all capitalism, right? Whereas capitalism was really the product of Christianity and Judaism. So yes, it's not, you know, directly a uh, a doctrinal issue, but it is consistent with Catholicism and Christianity, generally speaking, that capitalism is the way to go. It embraces free will and and freedom and so forth. So, but he's really. Um, uh, what's the word I want to look for? I don't want to say crapped all over it, but he's really... Crapped all over okay, it. Okay, crapped yeah, all over it. I think, I think that go. works. <laughs> <laughs> and then the gay marriage thing, right? So you would think he would say something like, listen, people have their different ideologies about gay marriage, and you know we're not going to push for the elite, the, making these things illegal, but it's against church doctrine. If you want to be a Catholic and a good Catholic... This gay business of at least gay marriage, we don't recognize that. But instead, he seems to be pushing for the recognition of it. Am I wrong? Am well, I you're absolutely right. And an interesting side note to that or accompanying point is 
uh, your friend and mine, well, more your friend, but, you know, uh, Dennis Prager constantly talks about the idea of gradation of sin, right? So if murder and gay marriage are both looked on as sin, well, one is more severe, right? That's right. One is a guaranteed access to hell. The other right. is something you work on with, you know? Right. But so it would make sense to me in a, in a modern church where a portion of um, Catholics might be, um, you know, open homosexual lifestyle livers in different metropolitan areas around the world to say something along the lines of, we will, it's most important that no matter what lifestyle you are, if you're born Catholic or want to be Catholic, that you come to our church and feel welcome. There are things that are sin, and then there's things that are sin. And I'm going to focus on the big stuff in the Ten Commandments. Right. Everything else, work on yourselves. You but it. it's most important that you come here and nourish your soul with what we have to offer. Welcome, yeah. friends. I, wouldn't that work? Rather than just, works for me. you know, uh, taking a much more, let's say, hardcore leftist view of it. And then, of course, I think you're going to get to the snacks because there's a lot to itemize in this point, is his constant embrace of tyrannical communist dictators. Evo Morales, Hugo Chavez, Castro. Wait, you know? wait, wait. That's a problem for you? What's, what's well, the matter with you? Well, not for me because I'm not a Catholic, <laughs> but I just... Nor, nor do you live in those horrible countries. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, I get it. No, but but it's, it's very weird. You know, one of the things that... Uh, big distinctions between conservatives on the one hand and liberals, of course, on the other, progressives, shall we say, are that progressives love the limelight. They love to always be changing. And not only do they want to change, but they want everyone to notice the big movement that's happening, whether that's gay marriage, for example, or Obamacare, or the minimum wage, or equalizing pay between uh, uh, men and women, and now, now, of course, the transgender movement. They, they want to be outspoken on the subject, right? Right. So whether it's Al Gore, to use your previous example, uh, or Jesse Jackson, or uh, this yeah. kid from Florida now with the gun control issue, David Hogg, uh, who's not, apparently not so much of a kid as we as we thought. He, he might be 21 years old, for all we know. There's a lot about... I'm not... I would say for now, let's for now. avoid sort of the conspiratorial stuff and just stipulate that. At this point, we believe Obama was born in Hawaii and David Hogg is a teenager. Right. But some weird stuff is it's there weird. and we're it's not weird. sure. But whatever. Let's say yeah. he's he's the 18-year-old he claims to be and he is, whatever, a student at the school and everything else. It doesn't matter. The point is that he loves the limelight. Right, and he has the fist raised in the air, and he wants all this attention, and and he's going to be the poster child for this movement, right? <clears throat> and now things are going to change, don't you know? So, this pope reminds me exactly of that kind of character, where I think that rather, unlike the popes of the past, where they're simply trying to speak uh, the, the the great truth of the gospel to the people. And to make sure that that gospel is maintained alive and to encourage the, 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 the vitality of the church and the, uh, the, the mission of the church and to bring us closer to God. No, no, no. For him, it's very different. He wants to be recognized as the pope who changed everything. That's a very different game, and frankly, I think a very dangerous game. Right. It goes, it's a direct <clears throat> line to Obama saying, if we're five days away from the fundamental transformation of the... Uh, fundamental transformation? Uh, no, you mean the country that just elected a black president? Yep. 
What do we have to fundamentally change about this? I think that was working. You right. know, it was. You might want to stay the course on that. Yeah. Same with this guy. You might want to stay the course on the heaven and hell distinction, especially this week. I mean, uh, isn't the entire reason of Jesus's miracle of resurrection and redemption to save us all from hell? Well, you would think. <laughs> <You'd> think. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, Jesus got it wrong. So okay, listen, it's like, that's okay. I'm not Christian. It's cool. It's, it's cool. the new New Testament. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the new New Testament. Yeah, it's so weird. Uh, anyway, it, it just seems like this this particular pope. As much as I admire the Catholic Church, I just think they made a mistake with this guy. Yeah, Oops. you think? Yeah, like uh, <laughs> you know, we, our presidents have there there have been occasionally regrettable. Yeah, uh, voters. Presidents. Voters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Voters committing vote fraud in large numbers have occasionally made mistakes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. But certainly we, we view Obama that way. We view uh, Carter that way. Woodrow Wilson, Woodrow. FDR, LBJ. Basically whole, every Democrat. Every Democrat. Century. Yes, that's true. It was always yeah. a mistake. But and the, before. The varying different degrees of uh, mistake. Mistakeitude, right? <laughs> but, but when it comes to the church, you know, look, the, the truth is, and everyone knows, the cardinals are the ones that are choosing the pope. Uh, I, I'm sure that God has a hand in the whole matter. At least that's what I would believe that they would say doctrinally. But uh, it, the cardinals choose. And for some reason, they chose this man. Look, I, I wish the best for the Catholic Church. I just think that this man is just not the right man. He exhibits and manifests a very progressive approach. That alone is bad enough, but it's taking away from the message. And it, it uh, dilutes what uh, the Jesus story is all about and what Christianity is all about. And you and I, Ari, are big fans of Christianity. And uh, I think it's been doing just fine uh, without it being diluted and trying to change it to something else. Well, I think there's another important point that goes exactly to what happened this week, which is as Jews who, as a people in the aggregate, has suffered through some really rotten son of a bitches in history, the idea that those people are in hell for eternity is a very comforting idea for me. Yeah, nothing Hitler, just, Stalin, nothing just Mao, Pol yeah. Pot. I'm very happy that they are all in hell, and I'm um, yeah, kind yeah. of perturbed that the leader of that church would have a problem with that. Well, here's the thing. Here's the, the wrong logic behind that if he really believes that that bad people just disappear, all right. If they just disappear, and they become nothingness, right? Well, then they're not aware of their nothingness, right? Part of the joy of sending them to hell is that they are have to reflect on, gosh, I really ought not to have slaughtered six million Jews and how many other millions uh, during that thing that now is called the Holocaust. Yeah, right? so they can feel the suffering they caused. Yes, exactly. But if they turn into nothing, well, then big whoop. Right, they don't have they don't have any consciousness of that, so it it doesn't make any sense. And why again? And I'm speaking rhetorically, Ari, and I want to move on to another topic. Why would he bring this up? What's the point? And, and because it wasn't as if uh, the interviewer w- was asking him to reconcile one belief versus another, and how do you explain this? He volunteered this. <laughs> Uh, out of the blue, seemingly, right? That, right, it wasn't. Why don't you heal the breach with the Protestants after 400 right. years or whatever? Yes, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I can kind of understand with saying something about, you know, trying to trying to find something in common with all major faiths. Can you do that, Pope, for me? 
And then he would talk something about it. Maybe we'd, we'd disagree with him, but at least you can kind of understand that he would inevitably say something like, I would prefer that we all find ways that we all have what we have in common, right? But instead, hey, guess what? There's no hell. What? I, I just imagine the interviewer kind of looking to the right and to the left and saying, what, what was that about? <laughs> like, what? Did you, did you get that? Did I hear that correctly? Right? And uh, and this guy's just going off to, off to town. Yeah. All right, so that's that's the Pope, um, but it's reflective of a change in our society, and this this need to constantly uh, be shocking. And in order for you to get any attention, you have to do something uh, something oh so very shocking. And that is the progressive mindset, right? They the, the notion of being able to just kind of get through your day. Enjoy your family, enjoy um, some movies from time to time, and then experience a connection to God one way or the other through your church or through your synagogue. Oh, well, that is so passe. That is so not interesting. That is so not meaningful, right? But for them, in order to gain, gain meaning, they have to do this, something so shocking. You know, uh, I, just, I just think this pope doesn't belong in this church. Uh, it, it just from, again, uh, we are Jews. We, I guess we don't really know what we're talking about when it comes to the Catholic Church. But my impression, just, and I think it's, this is a realistic one, I think that a lot of Catholics, especially conservative Catholics, are saying, this Pope doesn't really speak for me. This Pope doesn't make sense. This Pope does not jibe with uh, the doctrine that we have been raised all of our lives. And it's a little bit uh, discombobulating and unsettling. It kind of rocks our foundation a little bit. Well, it also forces them to unmoor themselves from other doctrines that they adhere to. The idea that the Pope is infallible, the, the idea that I have to go with this guy no matter how he takes where he takes me. Yeah. That's a you and I as Jews have uh, see uh, things in our own ideology and faith and in others that are oh, you know weak points, right? Um, right. You know, right. I, I think eating lobster is very important, and uh, you know, I think it's a, a great failing of the Jewish faith. But you know, <laughs> water under the bridge, right? <laughs> it is but, what it is. But uh, the idea that you're forcing Catholics to go with what they know is right or wrong in their heart, and then come into conflict with the idea that I have to. Well, from, from the very them as the yeah. infallible is a great yeah. d- difficulty for them. Well, there's infa- this I do know. Infallibility doesn't doesn't is not associated with the uh, the Pope's belief as to hell, for example. What he just said. Yeah, the personal statements. Yeah, personal. It has only to to uh, to deal with the the bulls. So that that's another story. But um, I just I, I just wonder. For example, we Jews we don't have a, the equivalent of a Pope, but let's say. I don't know, somebody that's very revered in Jewish tradition. There, there is a, a chief rabbi in Israel, for example. If he were to say uh, today that, you know what, we got it all wrong, speaking about your lobster thing, um, the, uh, the shellfish is totally cool, right? And not only that, but meeting eat uh, meat with cheese is cool too. And you know what, driving around a Shabbat and lighting fires and otherwise, you know, working on Shabbat is okay. So long as you really love God, okay? That's the key thing. Um, 
I think we, you know, most Jews in the world would feel very discombobulated about yeah, that. Yeah, he had me a lobster, but the other things. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Big problem. Yeah. Obviously, because it goes But can you imagine, to, right? Can you imagine? Yeah. Or, or, if, or if the Catholic Pope said, and he didn't say this, but let's just use this as an example. What if he said, you know what, uh, to get in line with uh, Islam, let's have our holy day be Friday. Okay? What's the big deal? Right. You know, because it was we kind of chose Sunday arbitrarily anyway. Because right. you're eating up a perfectly good weekend day and football and all this stuff. <laughs> right. Let's just go it on Friday. Work four days a week for ten hours a day. You know, redistribution of uh, work. Right. You know, it's all just to you know, it's very yeah. unsettling for everyone to to uh, have these three different holy days. Let's just glom on to to Friday. I mean, hopefully, those Jews will come along too. Right. Right. But but uh, you know but. That's my point. It would be very unsettling. But the, the whole notion of hell, that is, a, that is the equivalent of what I just said. It is far more discombobulating to say that there is no hell than to suggest that the holy day should be, should be changed to Friday. That is weird. Well, there's, there's another piece to us. What does declaring there's no hell do? It also unmoors the Catholic Church from the Old Testament's Ten Commandments. Right. Because if there's no hell, why should you follow the ten? Right. What's the point? Right. Even you know, even Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I always come back to that to that movie. You know that that's a great movie, right? Where yeah. you know one of the it's a metaphor, right? Where you're supposed to stay on the straight and narrow. Don't get distracted by these little things. Willy Wonka told you himself, just stay on the tour. Do not go anywhere else to these different distractions. And what happens to these kids? who do get distracted, well, they don't disappear. They just kind of end up in the machine or they get floating in the sky or they turn purple or whatever it is. We never hear from them again. It's weird, but, but still something bad happens to yeah, them. Yeah, they get condemned to a certain fate. Right. So then, uh, and of course, uh, Charlie, he's the only one who seems to, with, with one minor exception, he ends up uh, going back uh, and, and he gets the keys to the, to the chocolate factory. Wonderful. But isn't this the same thing sort of here where, you know, you're basically telling people that, that no matter whether or not they uh, observe the Ten Commandments, they are not going to have that meaningful an accounting. The worst that can happen to them is they disappear. Well, okay. Are you saying that the souls disappear? They won't kind of come back in some form or another? I mean, come on. No, nobody can imagine the lack of consciousness altogether. Of course there's going to be something. And hopefully they'll be damned in eternal damnation, uh, especially somebody like Hitler. So anyway, I, I want to move on to a different topic because this is something that uh, has seemed to be coming up quite a bit. Have you noticed, and this is really about, you know, it, it's, it's actually somewhat connected because the, one of the things that hell gives us is the ability to connect to God. How so? Because we know that the difference between right and wrong, and if we follow the correct path, we will connect with God more. But what is it about, you know, you hear so many times people talking about meditation, right? If you uh, write seven minutes in your journal, you know, great things will happen to you, right? So, I mean, right, this, this notion of kind of being, what's the word, um, Self-aware, uh, mindful, mindfulness, that, that's yes. what they're, they're calling it. That's a huge thing. Mindfulness, that's the new buzzword, I, I think, of the, of the teens of this 21st century. And you think to yourself, what for? Mindful for what? I mean, shall I stare at this 
blank wall for a while. I can be mindful about that. But you would agree with me that you're not going anywhere when you just stare at a blank wall. You're being mindful. Or if you like, we, you know, we both have watches on right now. You can just stare at the time all, all the time. Right? You're mindful of the time. Right? But are you getting anywhere? So when they say mindfulness, it sounds nice. But implicit in that is that you're mindful of something important. Right? Mindful of, being, of hanging out with your kids and enjoying their, their time at the playground. Yeah, considerate of others. Right. You're, you're yeah. on a date and you're mindful of your, your uh, date's uh, um, conversation and you want to pay attention to her. Yeah, mindful that you don't run over the biker who just ran the side. <laughs> that too, line yeah, yeah. The bike lane. That's yeah. right. You focus. Yeah. yeah. And, and isn't that great? But they, they bring it up as almost a spiritual thing. But they never say mindful as to what. What, what should you be mindful about? Right. So, so writing in a journal, uh, that'll be somehow great. Or if you meditate and you say, um, <laughs> all right, likes that. So, so you, you say this, this stuff and you're supposed to somehow reach nirvana. What, but why? I mean, look, when I go to court and I have to argue a motion or a trial, for example, I'm, I don't just start blathering a bunch of words and hope that a good result will come up. <laughs> Hope you get one right. That's right. Well, Your Honor, I said a bunch of words. Isn't that good enough? Well, Mr. Lurie, you, you haven't said a single thing that makes any sense. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm saying words, and I'm dressed up nicely, too. And I thought it. I was mindful. Yes, I was very mindful. Yeah. I'm, I'm in this courtroom right now, and I'm looking at you, Judge, and a bunch of words are coming out of my mouth. Right? So... You forget about the, the actual direction of where you want to go. Or, or if you want a dentist thing. So you go into, you, you've got a big cavity. It's painful for whatever reason. Root canal if you want. And, uh, and the, the dentist just says, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he just kind of moves about a bunch of utensils and, and says, I'm doing dental things. I, you know, and I'm calling out to my nurse. And, you know, and I'm telling you to spit in this miniature toilet bowl that's next to you. Right? It's, it's, that's, but you're not doing the job. So mindfulness means nothing. But, you know, it's, it's as if people are afraid, Ari, of, of saying God. I think we've, we've entered into a new zone where to say that you want to connect with God is something that is a little bit embarrassing for people. Is, isn't it ironic that you started our session today by saying that people do new and bizarre things, right? And in so doing, after this incubation period that we've arrived at the uh, metamorphorical moment where we've emerged from the cocoon with our butterfly wings, it is now a time in the world where if you stand anywhere and you go, I love God, I believe in God, I'm going to be a good person because of my connection for God, people look at you like you're a freak. That's right. That's right. It, It is... Well, there goes Barack with his God business again, right? And, and, and I say to them, of course, I have my, my response, which is, look, do you believe in God or not? And then it kind of forces the issue back on them. And then they say, well, I don't know. And Well, well would you agree with me that if God is real, then he's in everything? And if God is not real, then he's, well, he's not there at all. He's in nothing. God, God can't be in some, you know, it's not half God. Yeah, there's it's no half full God. God or no right. God. He only shows up on Sundays or Saturdays yeah. or Fridays, as the case may be. So, uh, but it's absurd. But that's another story. The embarrassment factor, we can talk about that another time. I, I'm fascinated by this mindfulness thing. It's like this quest to reach something more important. They seem to understand that by being mindful, you will reach a state of. Peace with yourself, 
but they never ask what your ultimate goal is. You know, my dad once told me a very funny uh, story about himself as a little boy. I think, I guess he was five years old. And he understood the concept of letters, right? And so what he did is he wrote a bunch of letters and he gave it, I mean, it just a whole bunch of, it's a mishmash of letters, right? It it was all over the page. And he gave it to his parents and he said, what does it say, (laughs) right? So it was the equivalent of A, G, H, you know, it it, it was all over the place. What does this say, he said. And I always loved that story because I think that's the way people act in their daily lives. So they, they think that they'll do a bunch of different things, including this mindfulness crap, and that somehow a great result will happen to them. And yet they're more depressed than ever. They take Prozac, they take uh, whatever. Uh, I, I don't even know. I just know the name Prozac. I'm sure there are many other... Uh, Zoloft, Klonopin, Xanax, Zoloft. Uh, you're the expert. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so, I don't yeah. know, but... but Whatever. So many of these antidepressant yeah. drugs. And now in Los Angeles, smoking weed. It's everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. They, they, they look for the answers, but they don't get it. So, you know, this, the most, I, I believe that most of the depression out there is not real. At least, I mean, it is real in a sense that they, they're lost and they don't have a cause. They don't have meaning in their lives. Yeah, and they're unhappy would, in the moment or something. Yeah. That would cause anyone to be depressed. That would depress me if I felt that there was no meaning. Uh, but uh, and of course, I'm not talking about those people who truly have a true chemical imbalance, bipolar, schizophrenia, whatever. I'm talking about the the, the average Joes who claim that you know for, for the commercials, you know, wow, I, I just need to feel a little bit better. And you see this nice lady going to a doctor, you know, she's she's not a nut. She's not kind of destroying things. Are you, right. you know, setting things on fire and, and right. it uh, made me feel a little better. Sure, it gives me occasional diarrhea, but yeah, I so feel a lot better now. And suicidal thoughts, yes. but <laughs> but but who's complaining? <laughs> but but they, they never say that there's no commercial out there saying, um, you know, check out these depression pills. Maybe, you know, take a, as I say in my book, uh, take a take a couple of churches and call me in the morning. Right. That, that's your best answer to depression. Go to church. You know what? You're bound to feel better. But that's the last thing that people want to do because it takes a little bit of work. It take, and it really only a little bit. But it also requires being accountable. And seeking responsibility at the same time. It's very hard for people to like that. They would much rather say, you know what, just give me the, not even the Reader's Digest version, just tell me what to say. For me, the way, my best analogy to this is like expecting to get yourself in great shape by having some trainer move your legs for you. <laughs> move your arms for you, right? And have a machine. You're literally going through the motions and you don't know what to do. You have no sense of your own uh, health or what to do exercise-wise. But by golly, this guy is making me go through the motions, right? Therefore, I must be getting healthy, <laughs> right? So that's that. But but that's the way it is with this mindfulness crap. They they go. Th- yes, they're they're getting the hint of a bigger something. A, a bigger something yeah. else with mindfulness, um, saying the um, you know, in in. Uh, in yoga, they even in yoga they don't even tell you. Here's what you need to say, right? Which is kind of okay with me because I think yoga is not religious anyway. So I don't want them to tell me what to think. But they just say, say one word to yourself, whatever that 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 makes you feel good. So if you like cats, like I know you like cats, you would say cats or meow or whatever. I'd say pussy. <laughs> okay. It's more encompassing. Yes. All right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> this is supposed to be a PG 
podcast. No, PG-13, but you went beyond that today. <laughs> hey, I'm appealing to the modern... Well, actually, it's uh, that's not right. gay, so... So that's his know. mindfulness. Anyway, yeah. so he says the P word <laughs> right. Right, during his meditations. I might say Dostoevsky, although that's kind of hard. So, but whatever. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you try to connect to God, right? It's, and that's, that's the joy of it all. And, you know, when you, when you have a moment to yourself, when you don't have your iPhone bothering you, when you don't have TV, and you really do have a moment with yourself, you know, what's wrong with just simply saying, how can I best achieve God's will from me? What does God want from me? And how can I best meet that will that God has for me? Those are two wonderful questions. And I think questions that people rarely ask of themselves. And they have no sense like that their real guiding principles is how to get closer to God. Instead, they have the, the trappings of things that could get you closer to God but get you nowhere close to God. It's like the, dent- like the dentist we talked about, just moving things around and scalpels and things like that, but not quite ever getting to the root canal because he's not ab- able to ever focus. So yes, he's a dentist. Yes, he's got the tools, but he's not getting anywhere, right? <laughs> I, anyway, I, I just, this, it, it just struck it's, me the other day. So, right, and there's, there's like a couple other things I'm noticing here, I guess I'm mindful of. The immaturity of it all. When you're a child, firstborn, you have no filters. So you're overwhelmed and you're mindful of everything. Oh, great, the child is mindful of everything. But like the Willy Wonka story, or like you were saying earlier with the Pope, you get straight off the path. And as an adult, you learn to focus on what's, what really matters, right? Right. If you're driving and you need to grab a bite, so you've got your In-N-Out burger, cheeseburger, meat, cheese, not kosher, all that, no bacon on it, and you're eating your hamburger while trying to avoid the bikers in the bike lane, yeah, you might do some non-mindful eating in order to keep yourself safe on your way to your destination and keep everyone around you safe who may uh, cross your path, right? Right. So, you know, this whole thing, if your entire focus is losing weight, and I usually hear the mindful argument when it has to do with food consumption. Okay, maybe you need to be more mindful of your, right. you know, what you're putting in your mouth and swallowing. Okay, right. fine. But the idea that I need to be mindful of all this stuff that may or may not be important and sacrifice my attention of what really is important. Like, for instance, we're, we're parents here, right? And we all have these times, usually at the um, crunch times of getting them to school in the morning or something like getting them dressed, where we're trying to cut a straight line and achieve a desired goal that perhaps the children in their meandering path isn't um, totally on board with getting done. Yeah. And we're not the most mindful in how we talk to them. Be more mindful of it. No, get your damn shoes on. <laughs> right? I get it. I like your reference to. But the, my, my point, my overall point is it's, it's a completely immature take on things. What you're saying, be mindful of God, is the way an adult needs to be. That's right. Yes. And, and at the very least, let's have the same approach. I mean, pe- like, Okay, I liked your reference to mindless eating. That's the phrase that they hear, where you're, you're in front of a TV and you're just gobbling up the chips and the, the pretzels yeah. or whatever, right, the beer. And uh, that, that is mindless eating because you're not really concentrating on it. And that's part of the joy of having a nice family meal is so that you 
focus on you know the, the first course, maybe the second or third course, and then you, you clean up together and you talk about your day. And it's about mindfulness. And manners, by the way, also uh, helps you engage in mindful eating. So that, you know, you, and then of course you have the variety of foods that, that are healthy for you. So all that's mindful. And what's the purpose of that? To be healthy, right? To not gain too much weight, maybe even to lose weight. Yeah, to treat God's machinery that he gave you well. Well, but, but I'm getting there, right? I'm getting there. Yeah. But we have none of that, at least in today's society, vis-a-vis the ultimate goal of connecting with God, the real mindfulness, right? It's, it's like, I don't know, it just... It's like saying, be mindful of food. If I were, to, if I told you, let's say you're a big fat slob, you come in here, and you Thank know you. nothing about food. Food. Uh, no, you're not. But let's just say you're a huge uh, fat guy, and you come in and you say, doctor, I need some help. And all I say to you is, you know what, Ari, be mindful. <laughs> right? And I pat you on your back, and I say, you're all set to go, my friend. But I might need <laughs> some <laughs> insulin, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. Just be mindful. In all things that you do, henceforth be mindful, right? Mindful. But that's the whole point is he's not mindful. And, but you somehow think this is going to help. No, you need, you need direction. And the Bible, the Torah, and for Christians, of course, the New Testament, gives them this direction. And it's, it, it's positive reinforcement and also shows the negative side of things as well. This is the life that you need to live. And you will be a happy person. But that, that is just not, this mindfulness crap is out there. And you'll see it in book after book. You know, I, I really, it's interesting because I've got a book now, of course, that, that's out there. And, and I see different books in the same sort of categories sometimes. And there's a lot about this mindfulness. You know, uh, focus on the real you, <laughs> right? It's always self, self-interested stuff, Right. Um, and if, if you want to be uh, financially rich, right, then, you know, how to f- laser in on, on your and, and focus and be mindful of your, your spending habits, for example. But it's always about mindful, uh, about writing a journal, uh, taking the time for yourself to spend uh, 20 minutes a day. Yeah, it's never about you know, being to, mindful of other people. Well, but that's, well, that's another, that's another yeah. thing. But it's really about the God business that I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, if you just understood that everything you do is somehow connected to God because there's there's no other way around it. If you believe in God, of course, as you should, but if you believe in God, then very quickly you should get to the conclusion that God wants you to do everything for him. And everything that you do is, is a godly event. So do it right. That means when you see some trash on the street, you know, maybe pick it up. Okay, at least tell yourself you'll pick up three pieces of, of trash. Does that alone make you a great person? No. But you're doing it as part of God's will. <clears throat> and when you're nice to somebody, you say, hello, how are you today? You're doing it not just to be nice, but because that's God's will. And um, when you are mindful with your family and, and make sure that um, you raise them right, you don't raise uh, your voice too much to them, and you try to be judicious about your words and swearing and such like that, again, you're being mindful toward God. Just always remember, God is in the picture. So... If you if you have well, that I direction, include I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you always say God's in the picture, then you don't need this mindfulness crap. Right. That's the funny thing about it, right? Everything. It's Windex. Shapes it you. solves everything. It's the Windex. Yes, that's right. That's a reference once again, my friends, to uh, my big fat Greek wedding, where there's a character there who thinks that 
the product of Windex is somehow the cure-all for everything imaginable, including headaches and uh, salad dressing or whatever, or, or to grease a, 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 a creaking door. So, but God certainly is. That, that the direction, if you direct your life toward God in every way, you're going you're gonna to be just fine. Here's the beauty of it. Very few people who have a, a, a God-driven life and I hesitate to say the word purpose-driven life because it is a, the title of a great book. Um, she herself was Christian and uh, focused on the purpose-driven life. But I wish she, she'd called it a, the, the purpose toward God or something like that. But no matter. The, the point is that people with that purpose, that direction toward God, very rarely do you see any of them suffering from real depression. Right? They're always smiling. They always find a way to see joy in something. And even when bad things happen to them, they say, you know, it's just God's will. I'm sure that, you know, with this, uh, you know, step back, what appears to me to be a step back is actually a very good thing. Yeah, they're Ned Flanders. Oakley Doakley, Homer. Yeah, exactly. We'll get through this. We'll get through this. Uh, yeah, that's right. Even when, when Ned Flanders loses his home, you know, they're still singing in the station wagon yes. as they go away. <laughs> you know, but, but there's something right about it. No, it's Ned absolutely Flan- true. That's what's refreshing. so funny about the Ned Flanders character is it's it's we, accurate. We love him. Yeah. We love him for the, exactly that. And, and we all wish we had the the uh, discipline to be him. Yeah. And, and guess what? He, his kids are, are great, and his, he's, uh, he's very buff himself, right? He's well... Uh, yeah. He's, you know, <laughs> he's well-appointed. He's well-appointed. There you go. That's right. Notice I didn't say endowed. I said appointed. Right. Yeah. But he saves money well, and he's, yeah. just, he's a thoughtful man, of course. And uh, people like him. He's maybe a little too religious, but that's another story. Yeah. So I, uh, I just I find it very, very interesting. The whole chapter of my book, and I recently wrote an article about this, about depression... And that the best way to avoid depression is to pursue God. If you have God in your life, it's the best antidote. Uh, there's a, 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 otherwise, you just you know you'll comp- you'll be having contrasting arguments between Zoloft on the one hand and Prozac, like you said, all these different things. Which is better for you? Yeah, right? You'll play, be playing whack-a-mole your whole life. Well, whack-a-mole too, but, but, but you'll but, have these moments. Uh, the other thing that I think this, that attacks that's so important is there's a difference between a moment of unhappiness and depression, like you're talking about. Sure. It, you know, Ned Flanders has a mom, right? Right. Okay, you know, fictional Ned Flanders. Ned Flanders will not be happy the day he has to go to his mom's funeral. Right. Obviously. Yeah, very good example. And and there's a mourning periods in life, you know. After September 11th, the happiest among us are, are not very happy, right? Right. Some national tragedy or some personal tragedy happens. You're allowed to grieve, right? you know. Yeah. But the difference is the depressed don't come out of it. They don't come out of it. It's a very different animal for them. It's the it's their world view. That's the difference. You see, somebody who suffers the loss of a mother or, or father uh, or any sort of tragedy, uh, personal loss like that, it does, it's, it's not, they're not mourning because of a worldview. Right. Whereas the depressed person has a worldview that life is against them, right? Um, Eeyore, not, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly, right? What's the point of living? That sort of thing. That's very different, despite having nice things happen to them, Right. They may be enjoying, uh, they may get a lot of money, for example. Does that make them happy? Maybe for five minutes, and then they go back to their depressed state. So these are very different animals that we're talking about. And 
God really brings back uh, not only our, our, our centering, but also a bill to focus and to enjoy life uh, altogether. Uh, so when I see these mindful books, I mean, I, there's so many of them, Ari. Um, it, it's really astounding. And that's what prompted me to, to talk about this. And people are making a lot of money off these books, a lot, uh, because it tells them that if you just write seven minutes a day in a journal, great things will happen for you. Never, it doesn't matter what, you, what you're doing, what you write about. Is that how you got atheism kills to finish? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Seven minutes a day, I wrote a book. <laughs> oh, man. No, but it, it's uh, in, a, in a journal is what they're yes. saying. Or that, they, that you should put aside all electronics, which is great in its own way, um, and just say, um, or your, your P word, or my D word, right? These, you know, and it's true that it will be giving them the, the, the hints of purpose, but it doesn't, it doesn't quite go all the way. It never can go all the way. So, and even the money books, the, you know, or, or the Anthony Robert, Robbins, that, that's the guy? Yeah, right? the self-help. The well, self-help books. Know, self-actualization, self-help. Yeah, you, you go, go to these people who are big fans of them, and they're fans for half a year or a year, and then they, they flash out. Why? Because there's something missing. They don't go all the way. God has to be part of that equation. And so Anthony Robbins, God, you know, God bless him, you know, for his push, but he doesn't push the God part of it, uh, at least not to my knowledge. Okay? Yeah, but the people who have the God part pre-installed, pre-existing, right. do very well. With well, this is why uh, any of these kind of things great men course. like uh, the late uh, Billy Graham and Martin Luther King Jr., for example, and so many others like him, religious leaders, or people who espoused religion as a primary center of their lives. They did remain with their flock, as it were, and their flock loved them all the more. And they, they were not flashes in the pants. On the contrary, they, they were so grateful to the Billy Grahams out there uh, for giving them a sense of direction, sense of purpose, and awakening to, in them the sense of God's purpose in them. You, you wouldn't need any mindfulness about that, right? At the end of the day, you yeah, would already be there. It would already be there. You know, and, and, and I guess I'll, I'll leave it like this, Ari. I, I enjoy reading. I really do. And I read mostly nonfiction books. And if you're like me, you know, you treasure that last 20 minutes of the day where you go to bed and you're going to read some, some, something interesting to you, right? Whether it's about politics, maybe it's about religion. But the delving into that is a joy for you. And uh, right now I'm reading The Twelve Rules uh, Against Chaos, I think it's by... by um, What's his name? Ah, oh, Jordan Peterson. And it's a good book. I, I, I do, do recommend it. I enjoy it. But it, I love the uh, ability to be centered, to be focused. And the joy in finding God is exactly the same thing to me. I like that. I, I, I don't need anything else. I, I, if, if you got me to, to sit on the, uh, on the floor right now and do the, uh, whatever, the Hindu pose or something like that and, and, and lay out my palms and say, let's meditate for now, for half an hour. I just think, what a waste of time, what a waste of time, what a waste of time, <laughs> right? That's all I would think. It's not that my mind is clattering. It's just that I'm only going through the motions. It's a little bit like the, the sexual joys, right? You, you can go through the motions of sexuality by going to a prostitute, right? And yes, you'll get uh, your orgasm, 
you'll get the feel of uh, sexuality, great, but that's not getting you anywhere closer to God, right? You're just kind of getting the hint of what the great joy of sex really is all about. When you're intimate with your partner and you actually uh, rise together, so to speak, and, and have a, a great bond together as a result of it. You're giving me this look now. Yeah, I am. <laughs> but I'm not judging. No, no, but, but I'm saying... No, <laughs> I'm just mindful of that. You're mindful of the that. The previous scenario just sounded so much better to me. <laughs> oh, I see, the prostitute. <laughs> All right. Well, God willing, you have a partner with whom... <laughs> You have that intimacy. And she's into sometimes hiring some third-party right. help. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to conclude with a really rousing, passionate, you know, evocative th- yeah, thinking. Yeah, Good and, Friday, and, but, Passover, but, Easter but no, weekend. No, leave it to Ari to bring it down. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But, but you do get the point. That, yes. You know, it's, uh, there's a difference between... Uh, you know, an orgasm one way and, uh, you know, true intimacy with your very special uh, husband or wife uh, on the other. And that's, that's the way it is. And, and when you are that intimate with somebody and you have, you're married to her, uh, you, you know, it's, there's nothing like it in the world. This is great joy. You, you really feel like you're connected and not just connected to each other, but in a sense, in a, in a whole spiritual sense. And you, you know, this mindfulness stuff is just hints of God without delivering or even encouraging anything further. You want really ha- real happiness, you have to understand that God is part of this equation and that you should um, race toward a life with God. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you next week.